everybody. Welcome to the Oh My Gosh podcast. So today I'm going to be speaking to clinical sexologist Emily Powers-Smith and we're going to talk about menopause and sexual pleasure. So Emily, you're very welcome to the Oh My Gosh podcast. It's lovely to be here, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, can you just start off by telling us what is the clinical sexologist? Just a little bit about your role. Sure. So sexology is the scientific study of human sexuality. So it incorporates everything that is scientifically based and empirically researched. So there's no room for myths or moralistic uh, beliefs that aren't based in 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 science. And and uh, I studied that in Australia because obviously, well, maybe not obviously to everyone, but you can't do any kind of study like that in Ireland at the moment. Okay. Um, I was already an art psychotherapist and I went there uh, in 2009 to do a master's in clinical sexology. And so a clinical sexologist can be a number of things. You can go into education, you can go into advocacy, you can be a therapist, a coach, you can be an academic or a researcher. I, um, I run a clinical, a private practice uh, where I see all sorts of people, individuals, couples, people who are in polyamorous relationships. I see yeah. people who are in more of the... Um, what we might think of as standard relationships. And then I see people who are in the less standard uh, style relationships, um, people who are kinksters, older people, people with chronic illness, or who've had treatments or medications that have impacted their sexual or relation, sexual lives or relationships. So I really am very lucky that I get to meet all sorts of amazingly interesting and inspiring people in Ireland. And mm. I, I get to sit with them in their discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about really personal stuff. Yeah. And um, and try to help them. I do a mixture of therapy, coaching, and psychoeducation, which is really, really important in mm-hmm. our society because none of us have really had adequate education around sexuality unless we've gone searching for it. Yeah. And and, and then we have to know what to trust don't we when we're trying to educate ourselves there's a lot of nonsense out there yeah there is um thanks Emily so there are many paths you can go down I guess exactly I was already a therapist so it was a bit of a no-brainer for me but we also studied how to educate and how to advocate Mm. and obviously it was an academic course so there was there was that so yeah I I'm I uh, I kind of slid back into and the reason I did it was because I was having my own therapy and being a therapist and I realized that the the sexual component of my own life was getting kind of sidelined in therapy the therapists I was going to they weren't really bringing able to go there with me and then I wasn't able to go there with my own clients because I just didn't have the confidence to do that or the training I felt to do that so it, it just felt like I wanted to provide a better holistic uh, service to my clients, but then I loved it so much that that's actually all I specialize in now is sexuality and relationships. Okay, brilliant. I feel like it's very inclusive of all. Yeah, I try to be and I come from Ireland, so I'm having to learn that I'm not, that's not born into me. So I'm having to learn all the time. It's a never ending lesson, you know, how to, what language to use and how to be aware of how, uh, exclusive language can be and excluding language can be and how many of our attitudes and beliefs are actually quite biased yeah yeah so until until we uh 
start to examine those things in ourselves, I think we, we you know, we have to even know what we don't know. <laughs> We're really starting yeah. from a basic level, I think, in Ireland as a country. Yeah, I agree. But um, let's get started, I guess. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the basics, what menopause is, and think then we'll get to the most important um, important part today is menopause and sexual pleasure. So I might just start by asking you, Emily, what is menopause for people who don't know what menopause is? So menopause is something that everybody with a vagina, with a uterus, with ovaries is going to hit at some point. Um, and it literally means uh, the end of your monthly cycle. Menopause is the last period that a person has and it's usually judged, um, they usually don't count you as having had menopause until you haven't had a period for 12 months. That's the clinical kind of definition of it. Okay. Um, so menopause is the last period and then perimenopause mm. is the period leading up to your last period. And that can be for, you know, anything from a few years up to 10 years for some people. Okay, okay. And um, it, it's the yeah. one that incorporates all the, um, the bits and pieces that don't really get talked about enough considering mm. just over half the population of the world is gonna experience this. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's quite astounding to me how little women know about this thing that's ahead of us. I know. And it's quite important to know, to know this. Um, it's, it's really important because otherwise, and what's happening and, and what happens a lot is we kind of, we're ashamed, we, we're uneducated, and then we start getting symptoms and we try to just get on with it and we try not, we try to, and then for some of us, the symptoms get so bad that we end up in a GP surgery already having really, really severe uh, symptoms and we just want them done we want to get rid of them as quickly as possible so yeah. we often then will be given perhaps the wrong solutions to our problems whereas if we're educated and we're and we know what to expect it can be a much different experience yeah exactly and when you say symptoms Emily what kind of symptoms I know every individual is different and will experience menopause different but if if um are there any common symptoms that anyone could experience from menopause yeah so um you know research you know globally it's not that different uh, except there's culture um there are some cultures that actually don't experience the same uh, so so in western cultures mm -hmm. we're pretty we, we we have some fairly standardized symptoms so up to around 90 percent of women will experience a change in their periods during perimenopause um maybe and that could be um, that they get irregular, they get really, really heavy, they get really painful, and that mm. the mood can really change leading up to the period, up to your period, where, where some women may not have experienced PMT prior to perimenopause, they may get it during perimenopause. So those are the so changes in periods is that that's the most common. Okay. Um, then the next most common, probably in Western, in our country would be uh, hot flushes. Yeah. And they reckon 35 to 50% of women experience those. I just want to say that research, considering this has always been happening, <laughs> yeah. research to, in this subject is way behind. Okay. Um, research in male sexual and reproductive problems is literally four times as popular as in female. Okay. Hopefully that's changing, but it has been a very um, imbalanced 
uh, system of, of research. So we're still learning an awful lot. Like they don't really know why women get hot flushes, which is astounding when you think about it, yeah. but they do know that hormone treatment can help it along with some other things. So hot flushes can be five to 10 minutes and they can last, they can be just a, a warming or you can get drenched in sweat that quickly in that length of time and feel quite awful with it and they yeah. come on you don't know when they're going to happen it's usually chest neck face and scalp rather than the rest of the body okay. um, night sweats is a common one it's a kind of hot flushes at night um, they can last longer than five or ten minutes and again sheets can be drenched that kind of thing yeah. um, vaginal dryness can be another problem for perimenopause and certainly postmenopause. it's it's probably very likely to happen that's due to a, a drop in estrogen which is the, the the hormone that provides lubrication and the other thing that comes with that is a thinning of the vaginal walls and a lack of plumpness in the vulva in the labia everything can change a little bit that way not every woman gets that with perimenopause mm -hmm. if you get it it's often later in perimenopause nearer to menopause but most women will get it after menopause. Okay. Um, and then mood can change. Um, and you can also get, uh, uh, get impacted with your memory and your concentration and sleep, but they're connected. They don't know that that's specifically uh, hormone issues that causes the, the uh, mood changes or if it's how you cope with the symptoms of perimenopause so if you're not sleeping mm -hmm. it's likely your mood is going to go down and your concentration's not going to be as good they're not quite there with the research to connect them directly to the hormone changes okay you know yeah that I mean. really makes sense actually doesn't it yeah and if you're if you're you've got a really um, negative attitude to mm -hmm. menopause and you're ashamed about it and you feel really awful about it then you're going to suffer more with it you know it's it's yeah. not rocket science but it's not talked about and we don't always think about these things. Yeah. And then finally, before we move on to the sexual pleasure side, is there an average age for menopause or does it depend on the individual? Well, there's a kind of an average age of around 50 to 51. OK. Some women start menopause in their 30s. Some women don't start till their 60s, obviously. That's why we have a, <laughs> why yeah. we have a mean age of around 50. Yeah. Um, there's quite a lot of evidence to show that if you're a smoker, you're likely to get to uh, experience menopause up to two years sooner. Okay. If you've started your period at 11, which is happening more and more often, you may get menopause earlier as well. It's just that your whole reproductive cycle is, is just earlier. Um, and then of course, if you've had your ovaries removed mm -hmm. due to um, possibly cancer or some other problem, or if your ovaries have been damaged due to chemotherapy, certain chemotherapy treatments or radio, radiation therapy, will cause that and that will bring on menopause and that can happen obviously at, a, at an age before you would naturally have menopause okay um i'm gonna get to the sexual pleasure and <laughs> menopause the one we've been waiting for <laughs> um i'm gonna start with the most common question is is loss and libido common loss of libido in perimenopause is is uh common okay um and postmenopause is even more common, but the reasons are really, really important. Up until we started talking about menopause more openly, which is literally this decade, you know, this in the last five, 10 years, you know, 
um, we would have put lack of libido down to that it goes with menopause. Yeah. But actually research that we do have is showing that it, it isn't as simple as that. It's actually, if you weren't having a great sex life prior to menopause, you're probably going to, uh, you know, your libido is going to drop and you're probably going to let it drop and be okay with that and be okay with not having much of a sex life anymore. Okay. Um, if you have had a really great sex life leading up to menopause, you will be more inclined to try and find your way back to it. Yeah. And if you want to find your way back to it and you don't have to, there's no, nobody says you have to, yeah. um, then there are lots and lots of things that you can do that will help your libido. But lower estrogen can lower libido. And the other thing to know that um, at 40, women tend to have half the amount of free testosterone in their systems than they did when they were 20. Okay. It's not talked about much yet. It's talked about in other countries a lot and it's very well recognized. But in Ireland, we're just beginning to talk about it a bit about mm. testosterone treatment for women. So if your testosterone is low, same as with men, your libido is going to be low. Exactly. So there are certain things, obviously, with hormone treatment that you can do to help your libido. If it's a hormonal problem, get hormone treatment. You know, if it's a relational problem, work on the relationship. If it's a problem that you um, have vaginal dryness, then you're going to have pain with penetration and discomfort. And that is probably mm. the, the most common reason why women turn away from penetrative sex mm -hmm. around this time of their lives. It's because it hurts and they don't know that it doesn't have to. Yeah. Um, and also, if you're limited in your sex, sexual repertoire to penetrative sex as your go-to, Mm -hmm. And then it hurts quite often. Then everything sexual is off the cards because that's really all you did. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so again, you know, there's a lot you can do there around broadening your menu, your sexual menu, so mm -hmm. that uh, there's a lot of pleasure that can be had and shared um, that isn't about penetration. And then there's a lot you can do to relieve the symptoms of dryness and atrophy um, and irritation that can lead to extra UTIs and extra, you know, extra complications that way. So it's whether you're having a sex life or not, yeah. you really need to make sure your vagina is healthy and lubricated and moisturized at this time in your life. Because if you don't, it can make it uncomfortable just to walk, to yeah. wear jeans, to sit on a bicycle. And in a very severe case, the atrophy can cause the vaginal walls to actually fuse together okay. and then you've got real problems you know so so it's it's a general health issue as well as a sexual pleasure issue to make sure that your vagina is not drying up exactly i like the way you touched on whether you're what you're kind of saying whether you're single or have a partner it's so important to look after that side of your health yeah and whether you're sexual or not because you may yeah. have a partner and not be sexual or you may be single and be sexual yeah um so it's this is general health but because it's about the vagina it's never spoken about as general health because uh, we mustn't talk about our vaginas um so it's just talked about in the realms of sexuality and actually that is that is you know it, it's it's inaccurate to leave it out of a general health discussion for women and aging because it happens to most women yeah and what advice would you have so say if an individual did have a partner would you really advise communication with your partner on so say for example i'm an individual that's i'm going through the menopause 
and I have some symptoms that are really getting to me. I've lost libido. I'm tired. I'm moody. I am in the mood, but sometimes I'm not. Would you really, would you encourage just to communicate? I know not everyone's comfortable with it, but would you encourage that kind of side, the communication side, if you are with a partner? So I have, I have um, kind of four golden rules for great, for great sex, whether it's, um, okay when you're around men around the age of menopause or but these are great for any age and the earlier you start them the better you are at them when you reach a time in your life when you really need them yeah. and one of them is communication I would start with education mm -hmm. make sure that you're educating yourself about what your symptoms are rather than blaming yourself or putting yourself under pressure to um, a lot of women put themselves under pressure to keep functioning how they did before they had for example vaginal dryness and they push themselves into having painful sex okay. and it gets worse and worse and they want to do it less and less. So first off, educate yourself, go to websites that are reliable. And actually, um, I know that in your newsletter, you've pointed to a podcast or a, an Instagram thing I did with the wellness warrior. Yeah. And um, she's wonderful and she will give you proper information and she's Irish. It's within an Irish cultural context and yeah. she really knows her stuff around diet and nutrition and she talks about the sexual side of things as well and I I, I have done a bit of work with her yeah. and there's another woman called who who whose name on Instagram is my vagina my menopausal vagina yeah she's excellent as well to get the more of the clinical and medical and treatment side of things from someone who's been through menopause has really researched it advocates for it and knows her stuff uh you'll get no nonsense information from her with compassion or empathy really? and she's she's a good resource and then um i contributed to a book called my middle years which again was written by two irish women um and it covers everything to do with middle a middle that middle stage of our lives and menopause and um so educate yourself well yeah and then i would suggest that you make sure that you've got good lubrication again this is for any age because if you're young and you're on a contraceptive pill for example it can really uh, impact your ability to naturally lubricate uh, if you take antihistamines, that can dry up your muco mucus glands, which are what causes your, your lubrication in your vagina, just as it dries up your nose. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and certain antibiotics and things will cause you to dry up. So, um, and sometimes we just do anyway because of hormonal fluctuations. So a really yeah. good lube. Please avoid KY jelly. Please avoid things that have uh, perfumes that heat you up or cool you down or that taste because they're going to have chemicals and probably sugars in them that can really irritate a vagina that might already be a little bit irritated. I would go something organic. Um, I love Yes, Yes, uh, Yes Organic Lube. They also do a vaginal moisturizer, which you use every night or every day, whether you're sexual or not, and you use it inside your vagina just to keep yourself nice and moist. Mm -hmm. um, but always with sexual play and any touch on your very, very delicate vulva skin and your very delicate vaginal skin, I, I can't, I cannot recommend a good lube more. Every woman should have it with them at all times because you never know when you're going to need it. And the next thing then would be masturbation. I, I go education, lubrication, masturbation, communication, because they all kind of rhyme or, you know, they're all sound the same. But when it comes to masturbation, I would suggest you 
approaching it from more of an angle of self-love, which is something that's quite new to most people, okay. to really learn how to appreciate your body. You don't have to appreciate how it looks if you can't, but you can appreciate how the, the, the pleasure you can get from it being touched. There's different ways to appreciate our bodies. Mm. And I would talk to women a lot about slowing down and giving themselves half an hour a few times a week where they can just shut the door and just mm. be gentle with themselves and focus on pleasure, not on orgasm, yeah. not on getting turned on, but just on giving themselves pleasure. And it's the place to start and then building towards more sexual arousal if that's where they want to go. But a self-love program really, really helps you to know your body and know what to tell your partner that you enjoy because we change. It doesn't yeah. matter what age we are, what we, how we like to be touched changes from year to year. So we need to keep up to date on it rather than thinking, oh God, I'm now I can't orgasm. Well, you probably can. You probably just need a different approach now. Exactly. And certainly around menopause, that's really important. Okay. I really like them uh, tips. Uh, and then the, the, sorry, just to say on that as well, women, as they, as we reach sort of menopause and certainly afterwards but even you know sort of mid-30s onwards we start to need longer to get aroused and longer to orgasm it's perfectly natural for that to happen um we don't have the same arousal cycle as men but that's the only cycle we have to compare to so we try to hurry up and have our orgasms neatly within the time frame that our male partners have orgasms if we are heterosexual and in that mm -hmm. kind of relationship it's incorrect. It's like apples and oranges. We need to, we need longer. That's just the way it is. There's nothing wrong with us. And if our partners are telling us that there is, they are not educated. And if we're telling ourselves that we are taking too long, we need to look at that. And that's why being on our own without the pressure of hurrying up is a gift. Okay. And then finally, once you know, once you've educated yourself, once you're well lubricated and once you know what feels good in your own body, you're ready to communicate with your partner. And you're ready to say, look, I've changed. That's what happens to women. I know this because I've educated myself and I'm confident. Um, so I need to teach you how I like to be intimate now. And it will probably start non-sexually for most women, as in spending time with their partner, feeling interesting, feeling desired in a non-sexual way, and then building towards the, the intimate. Okay. I think that was really good advice. Um, so thank you, Emily. And I think I want to just finish off the podcast on a final note, on a positive note. Um, what are, in your opinion, the positive sides to menopause? Because I think sometimes, sometimes it can be pictured like a kind of negative experience or something. Yeah. But I'm, there's always positives to things. And I just wanted to see, do you have any positive sides? Did you have any advice yeah. on positive sides? To Absolutely. It? Well, a lot of women love when they stop having periods. Yeah, um, a lot of women love when they stop having to worry about pregnancy because you can get pregnant when you're perimenopausal. And that's something a lot of women, there's often a, a late baby when women think their periods have gone off track and they're, they're in perimenopause. They think, oh, well, that means I'm not probably not fertile. And that's not that's really not the case for, for, for a lot of women. So mm -hmm. no pregnancy risks. And then, you know, physically and psychologically, if you want there's a, a huge potential to reinvent yourself. There's a huge potential to get to know yourself now. Maybe you've never had time to do that your whole life. And this is a, a time when you can. 
to make changes that actually fit with the woman you are now. We are often a lot less worried about what people think and a lot more mm. comfortable with ourselves anyway as we reach this sort of age. So it's yeah. a great time for that to, to, to accept ourselves, accept our lumps and our bumps and our wobbly bits in a way that we may not have been able to before. We may want to start new things, you know, and, 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 and from the self-loving perspective, it's a really gorgeous time to begin a love affair with ourselves, with music, with reading, with erotica, with, you know, what taking something up that's creative that we always wanted to do. We tend at this age to be heading towards having a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Um, it coincides with, with, um, with menopause, which, you know, you may be finishing sort of early to mid to late 50s yeah well Emily thanks so much for speaking to me today and I will leave all your details below for all the listeners and yeah I feel very positive after this conversation (laughs) I'm glad to hear it thank you Sarah thank you so much for letting me have a chance to speak it's so important that we we are a little bit better armed to face into this thing that can be doesn't have to be a dreadful thing Um, you know the more we talk about it the more normal it is the less shame we carry about it and the, the less we have to worry about it. Exactly. Thanks, Emily. Talk. Thanks a million.